Welcome to the Candida Chronicles with our host, Michael Biamonte, Certified Clinical Nutritionist. In this podcast, Michael will answer your questions and reveal the shocking truth that the cause of most chronic ailments is not what you've been told. The source is Candida, a yeast overgrowth which, when it becomes systemic, can cause all sorts of seemingly unrelated ailments such as chronic fatigue syndrome and even weight gain. For more information on how Michael can help you, please visit healthtruth.com, that's health-truth.com, or phone his office at 212-587-2330. And now, without further ado, Michael Biamonte. And hello everyone, this is Michael Biamonte, Clinical Nutritionist, with another episode of the Candida Chronicles. And please keep in mind that you can email us any questions you have during the broadcast. Send your questions or your comments to drb at health-truth.com. That is drb at health-truth.com. And I'd be happy to take up any question or comment you have during our broadcast today. Well, today we're going to do another summary. We've done a few of these. We're going to do, once again, another one to try to totally encompass in one episode as kind of a summary or summarization of all the salient and important points in treating candida. And always keep in mind when we say candida, we're also referring to any type of intestinal dysbiosis since candida is a part of this uh, complex. So the exact title today of our broadcast is Candida Treatment, a Summary of All Important Concepts. If you go to my website, health-truth.com, you will find uh, an article there which covers all of the very important points of discovery that were made by myself since 1987 or 88 in the treatment of candida. Um, This article covers all of the major points and gives each phase in a order and explains the purposes of the phase and explains how each phase leads to the next. I'm going to use that article today as uh, somewhat of a, of a guide or an outline in this discussion so that you could always revisit this article and revisit the subject so you can go through it and you can remind yourself and go through it again to just reinforce any of the concepts that are there. So the first thing we're going to start with in discussing this is the fact that we, we addressed candida in five steps. And the reason why we address it in five steps is because you cannot address candida or any type of illness like candida with one sole approach. Most practitioners, most doctors out there, most people who self-treat approach candida as um, 
one subject matter and they use multiple types of treatments and supplement plans to address it, which is why all of these treatments fail. This is why no one gets consistent and lasting results is because they don't understand some of the basic rules and what we would sometimes refer to as the tricks in dealing with candida. Candida must be addressed in different sections because each section is addressing a unique aspect of the candida and when you um, complete that section of the treatment, it prepares the body to properly accept and allow the next section, which you're going to be addressing, to work correctly. Generally speaking, if you do not fully complete one of the sections of the candida treatment, the very next section will always fail because the one before it is not complete. The analogy that one would use would be like sending a student to college before you send him to first grade. He's obviously not going to understand many of the things in college because he never learned any of the things from first grade. Now, there are additional aspects to look at, which are, you could say, almost um, secondary considerations in dealing with candida, but yet very important. And we're going to cover those in the sequence where they should mostly be addressed as we go through the outline of these phases. So the first phase is phase zero of the candida treatment. In the zero phase, or one of our top concerns is testing the person to determine the level or the nature of their dysbiosis. At the Biamonte Center, we're very fortunate to have the Biamonte urine test, which is a self-administered test. This means it's a urine test the patient does themselves at home. This urine test is a, an upgrade and an advanced urine test which originally was modeled after a urine test which we performed in the office on patients. Uh, we found that the, this particular urine test worked better if, the, if it was done on a first morning urine. And because of the difficulties in organization to have 20 patients come in in the morning with a first morning urine sample, we made the urine test a self-administered home test to make it easier to do. Uh, back in the early 90s, if we had, let's say, 15 or 20 people scheduled one day to expect all those people to come in in the morning with their urine samples so that my uh, staff at the office could test the urine, it was, it was just not workable. Um, if they were to wait to bring their urine samples in later in the day, we found that the urine spoiled and went through chemical changes that made it not accurate anymore. So the only solution was to have the person do their own urine test at home in the morning with a first morning urine sample, have the test performed within one hour, which is a safe time period because if the urine sits out in the air longer than an hour, chemical changes take place which make the sample no longer valid. So in phase zero, one of our first concerns is performing this urine test on the person in order to determine the levels of 
harmful bacteria in their intestines, parasites in their intestines, candida in the intestinal tract, and candida also living outside the intestinal tract. The person would perform this first morning urine sample, and once they have the urine test complete, they would immediately start phase zero. The purpose of phase zero, primarily, was to eliminate parasites from the intestinal tract that would aggravate candida and prevent candida from going away. We also discovered that phase zero would draw out candida and parasites and bacteria which were hidden in your intestinal tract. So we would then have the person repeat the urine test three weeks after taking phase zero and then compare the first urine test to the second. We typically would find that the second urine test would be worse than the first because the phase zero had drew the candida and the other bad organisms out of hiding. So we're actually seeing the actual true amount that they have as opposed to what the first test was telling us, which was unchallenged. Sometimes we would find that the second test was better than the first, and this would be a case where the phase zero program was already putting a good dent in the person's candida case. In other cases, we would find the first test was very, very bad, and the second test was identical, and this was typically a person who had systemic candida. That would happen in about one out of five cases that we see. So in doing phase zero, we are doing, you, you could think of it as an intestinal candida cleanse for that month at the same time as we're doing the person's candida urine tests and the phase zero program is participating and is part of the urine tests because it is being used to draw out and scrub the candida loose, which gives us a more accurate picture of how much candida the person has. There are many tricks to the interpretation on this test. As an example, if the second test shows the levels of intestinal candida rising, and the second test shows that the level of external candida, which you might think of as systemic, stays the same, then we know we're getting a very accurate look into this person's case because the systemic candida wouldn't be affected by phase zero as phase zero stays in the intestinal tract. It doesn't do anything systemically. So when we see the levels of intestinal organisms changing, but the ones that are outside the intestinal tract are not, then this is giving us a, a, an accurate view that we can have confidence in. So coming out of phase zero, the idea is to have done an initial cleanse of the intestinal tract to get rid of what you might think of, of the surface bugs the surface amount of candida or parasites that are obviously sitting there so that we can go into phase one, have that layer of organisms eliminated so that phase one can work better. Also in phase zero, we may order other types of tests. We might order tests for leaky gut, hormone tests, toxic mental tests, other, other types of tests to assess the person's overall health as regards to candida, so that we know what we're up against. The person then would enter phase one, and the most important thing in phase one is that we have to pick antifungals which match the person's case based on their urine test. If the person's urine test is showing a heavy amount of parasites in candida, the antifungals that we want to choose must be ones which are effective against parasites and candida. If the person is showing 
heavy amounts of harmful bacteria and candida, then we must choose products that are going to be aimed at and effective against the bacteria and the candida. So the urine test helps us to understand what type of products we need to use in the treatment of candida. And then of course the products need to be rotated. And this is one of the key points that we've established in our entire method. Very simply put, if you do not rotate, by rotate I mean switch the antifungals you're using around, the, the candida becomes drug resistant. This is some, this is information which is uh, in many textbooks on mycology, but which is completely ignored by most pharmaceutical companies, by most practitioners, and certainly by lay people who are treating themselves. They know virtually nothing about this. Candida as a microorganism is highly, highly drug resistant. It has a great ability to mutate and become drug resistant. So if you expose candida to a pharmaceutical or an herb or virtually any substance which is attempting to kill it by either interfering with its respiration, interfering with um, how it normally gets its nutrition, or any substance which causes oxidative damage to its membrane for a period of 21 days or longer, the candida will become drug resistant and the, the medicines will no longer work. One of the most common stories that we've heard in our practice over the last 25 years is that the doctor put me on Powdiarco or Nystatin or some such substance. I felt great, the candida was going away, all my symptoms cleared up. I was doing really well for about three or four months and then all of a sudden all the symptoms started to come back. I took even more of the medicine that he had given me and it didn't work and now I'm right back where I started. This is a typical case of someone who's taking an antifungal drug longer than the 21-day period where the mutation or drug resistance begins and now the person is suffering a complete relapse because his treatment no longer works. The solution around this is to rotate the antifungals. In other words, you would have four different antifungals that have different mechanisms of action, and you would switch them around every four days. So a person would hypothetically have a 16-day rotation or a cycle where they're using four different products for four days each. This is sort of the hallmark of the phase one on the Biamonte program. It doesn't have to be exactly this. We chose this four-day cycle because four days is way under the point of 21 days where you get drug resistance. Four days is long enough for the medicine to start creating an effect on the candida. So it also gives you two runs through for each medicine for that 32-day period. So that's why we chose that. It doesn't have to be exactly that. It could be five days. It could be six days. The idea is that you're rotating the medicines and you don't stay on the same one. Generally, the medicines that are used in phase one have more of the ability to destroy the candida throughout the entire system to kill it systemically. So it would kill candida in the intestines, the blood, the lymph system, and vital organs. There are quite a few 
herbal medicines and naturopathic medicines which can do this. So we would select four that fit the person's urine test pattern and we would have them do and rotate those four for a period of time until the home urine test shows that there is no longer any die-off being generated. Now the home urine test that we do on the Biomonte program will indicate die-off taking place. And this is again another tremendous advantage that the Biomonte program has over any other type of candida eliminating system is that the home urine test that we use, which is our proprietary test, and available only through our center to our patients, this test will actually react and show the level of die-off you're getting so that there is no guess as to whether or not die-off is taking place or not. At the point in time where the home urine test indicates that there is no more die-off occurring from the phase one, the phase one is then stopped and we then switch to phase two. Now on phase one, the person continues phase zero because phase zero continues to expose the candida, which is attached to the mucous membranes in the intestinal tract. It continues to expose it to the medicines coming into the intestines. So phase zero and phase one are done at the same time. The same would be true of phase zero and phase two, and especially more importantly in phase two. Since phase two is mostly about getting rid of the candida, which is hiding in the intestinal tract, Taking phase zero with phase two is even more important. So we actually raise the doses of the phase zero products during phase two. On phase two, we choose two, usually, of four different substances to rotate, depending upon the person's case. If the person's case seems to be more a strict candida case, we usually have them rotating caprylic acid products and undesalinic acid products. If the person's case is more mixed with bacteria <coughs> and parasites, they will use um, a citricidal product and a, a zinc tannate product to rotate. Uh, the zinc tannate and the citricidal products have more ability to destroy parasites and bacteria in the intestinal tract, while the undesalinic acid and the caprylic acid products, being fatty acids, have a better ability to enter the cell wall and destroy the candida very deeply in the intestinal cell membrane. There are some other substances which can be used also, which would fall more under the category of fatty acids. One of them is butyric acid, and the other is lauracetin, which is known by the trade name of monolaurin. These are also used in the intestinal tract as well as antifungals. The phase two program would be run for the length of time necessary to eliminate the candida from the intestinal tract. The length of time would differ person to person. There's no uh, specific length that's going to be a guarantee. But nonetheless, this is run until it appears, based on the urine test again, that we have the entire situation cleaned up. Now once this occurs, we then switch from the elimination process over to the probiotic process. 
The probiotics don't work in the intestinal tract until the candida has been mostly removed because they're not able to stick there. Probiotics cannot stick to your intestinal tract when you have a large degree of candida. So in order for the probiotics to work, you must have eliminated the, mo the majority of your dysbiosis, otherwise they're just not going to work, plain and simple. So the second part then of the candida program for phase two is to reintrodu reintroduce the probiotics to the intestinal tract. When you reintroduce the probiotics, there are also certain rules to understand. The first one is that the probiotics would not have worked up until this point. So taking probiotics at an earlier point in your treatment is just a complete waste of time and money. Probiotics don't stick to the gut lining while there's significant dysbiosis. So regardless of what the vitamin companies are telling you in order to have you buy their probiotics, you are completely wasting your time and money. When you get rid of the bulk of your dysbiosis, the probiotics are now able to stick to the lining of the intestines. When you choose probiotics, the probiotic that you choose must be a human strain or a sticky strain, otherwise it will not stick to the gut lining. This explains why some probiotics are very expensive and others are cheap. The cheap ones are not human strain, the expensive ones generally are. Probiotics have to be taken with prebiotics in order for them to re-inoculate your intestinal tract and actually grow and spread there. Prebiotics are things like FOS. Uh, there are things like there are different types of fiber, let's say, which act as a prebiotic. Uh, there are even different types of herbs which are prebiotic in that they help assist many types of intestinal bacteria to grow specifically bifidus bacteria. As I said earlier, fiber needs to be taken as a prebiotic because the friendly bacteria actually feed on the fiber and as a result of them feeding on the fiber they end up producing short-chain fatty acids which are in themselves antifungals and immune-stimulating devices for the intestinal tract. Now, you'll notice up to this point, we haven't mentioned hormones, we haven't mentioned toxic metals, we haven't mentioned vitamins or anything. And this is because when you're doing phase zero, one, and two, you do not take vitamins because many vitamins make candida worse. Calcium, copper, iron, as an example, or minerals which easily can worsen candida when you take them as supplements. B-complex, coenzyme Q10, are examples of nutrients which actually worsen candida when you take them. When you take the B-complex vitamins at a meal which contains carbohydrates, the B-complex vitamins will break down the carbohydrates into a form that the candida can digest more easily, and it will feed the candida. Coenzyme Q10 feeds candida. Vitamin D feeds candida. Antioxidant vitamins are antidotes for the antifungals that you're taking. If you take an herbal antifungal or a pharmaceutical antifungal 
and you're taking those antifungals with antioxidant vitamins such as vitamin A, C, E, selenium, beta carotene, etc., you're actually um, reducing the effectiveness of the antifungal because the antioxidant vitamins that you're taking are going to protect the candida against the antifungal drug that you're taking. This is why you've heard no mention of any type of vitamin up to this point. When a person finishes phase two and they have their flora normalized and their candida is gone, now they can get tested and take whatever vitamins they may be low in to enhance their health. Up to that point, if the person is experimenting with taking different vitamins, the odds are is these vitamins are going to ricochet on him and they're going to worsen his treatment or destroy the treatment. Toxic metals are not addressed on our program until we reach, reach phase three and we have eliminated the candida. The reason why is several fold. Number one, toxic metals aggravate candida. So when you address the toxic metal, what you're doing by eliminating it is you're bringing it back out of the place where it stores or it hides into your circulation. And it's going to pass through the intestinal tract where the candida may absorb or be influenced by the metal and therefore make the candida worse. There are many doctors who insist to the patients that you've got to get rid of your toxic metals Otherwise, your candida will never go away. And they're 100% correct. Where they're wrong in terms of practicality is that if you try to detox somebody from toxic metals who has candida, their candida will flare up dramatically. So toxic metals are not addressed until the person gets to phase three, where we can address the metals without having the candida there. People also do not detoxify toxic metals well while they still have candida because the candida interferes with their liver's ability to detoxify. Hormones are another issue. Hormones should not really be addressed until the candida is eliminated and certainly a person should not be taking any oral hormone preparation. When you take hormones in the form of a pill or a capsule you're literally putting that hormone right into the intestinal tract, which is where your candida lives, and you're giving your candida a bath in the hormones. The only hormone preparations that are safe for a candida patient to take are the hormone preparations that are known as transdermal creams. These are hormones that you, hormone substances you put on your skin, you rub them onto your skin, and you then absorb them into your bloodstream, and you're bypassing your intestinal tract. Hormones have a dramatic influence on candida. Therefore, if you take a hormone by mouth and you allow this hormone to go into your intestines where the candida lives, as I said before, you're literally giving the candida a bath in the hormones. So the candida is apt to get worse due to that. So in the third phase of the candida treatment, what we are doing is uh, more or less what I went to school for initially, uh, which is using biochemical testing to maximize <coughs> a person's physiology and their overall nutrition. The third phase of our candida treatment is what many people go to a naturopath or a nutritionist for, which is 
to have their metabolism enhanced and optimized. And of course, this is being done using different vitamins or nutrients, etc. And because of the interaction between different nutritional supplements and candida, it is not safe to do this until you have first eliminated the candida, so you have eliminated any possible interaction between the candida and the supplement. Also, I'm going to put this in as an example of why you don't do this. Many years ago, we did an in-house experiment somewhat. We had the candida patients who would come to us also do nutritional testing. We did a very standard, at that time, nutritional testing, which showed us, to a very good degree, the deficiencies the person had. Well, we would have the candida patients who were coming to us for the first time entering the candida treatment also do this testing. And as you would expect, we found all the candida patients to be grossly deficient in many nutrients. Now, what we did with those people was not treat the deficiencies, but just put them on the candida treatment. And we used the test results that we had as evidence of their deficiencies. However, we did not give them any vitamins to treat those deficiencies. After the person had completed his candida treatment, which is, like, let's say, somewhere between six months to a year later, we had them repeat those same tests looking for nutritional deficiencies so we could now treat those deficiencies at this time now that the candida was eliminated. Amazingly enough, we found out that their deficiencies had dramatically improved over the initial tests when they first came to us, despite the fact we had never treated them. This is the proof that when you have candida, you're going to be very deficient in very uh, large-scale nutrients through all the categories of vitamins, minerals, fatty acids, amino acids, etc., etc., due to the candida's obstruction with your absorption of the nutrient. And if you were to get rid of the candida, the body's absorption dramatically improves. So this shows you the fallacy of treating the person for deficiencies while they have candida. If you simply get rid of the candida, most of the deficiencies improve. Now, maybe not all of them are going to improve. The true stubborn ones and the ones that are genetically uh, fueled, let's say, are not going to go away. And those are the ones that you then want to treat the person for on phase three. But it is a fallacy for a person who has candida initially and raging in their body to start treating all their deficiencies because the deficiencies are being caused by the candida. If you get rid of the deficiencies, uh, or I should say, if you get rid of the candida, you're getting rid of the cause of the deficiencies, and the deficiencies will automatically improve. Why we did not treat those people in the beginning, even though we had clear evidence of their deficiencies, was to prove this very point, that the deficiencies would get better if we did nothing other than just improve the person's candida condition. So, as a candida patient, it's assumed and expected that you have gross deficiencies. And as a candida patient, the first goal is to get rid of your candida. Because in getting rid of your candida, you're removing the cause 
of why you have many of these deficiencies. And you should not be worried about treating and chasing every symptom and every deficiency you have because that's not the big picture. The big picture is get rid of the candida, which is the cause. Leaky gut testing, we also did not mention up to this point. Leaky gut testing is something we would decide to do in phase zero when we hear the person's initial symptoms or complaints. Half of the people who come to us who claim they have leaky gut or who I believe have leaky gut based on their symptoms and history actually show having leaky gut when we do the leaky gut testing. This is why it's a very tricky thing. You cannot rely on symptoms. I've had many people tell me that they've been treating their leaky gut for many years and it hasn't gotten better. And when I test them for leaky gut, I find out why it hasn't gotten better. It's because they don't have leaky gut. They've been treating themselves for something all this time that they didn't have, and they were basing it on symptoms they read about on the internet. If a person has leaky gut and we test them initially when they come to us while they're doing phase zero, if we find they have leaky gut, they're put on a leaky gut program which matches their test results. There are three different types of leaky gut that we find in the test results. So they're put on a program that matches their degree of leaky gut. Before we allow the person to go to the probiotic step, which is the second part of phase two, their leaky gut test has to be redone or retested, and we must see that the leaky gut is gone. We will not allow anyone to advance into the probiotic program if they still have leaky gut. The reason why that is is people with leaky gut tend to react badly to probiotics. Uh, probiotics can aggravate leaky gut in some conditions. So it is a requisite for before a person goes into the probiotic step that their leaky gut be handled and we have a test that actually proves that it's handled. When we deal with toxic metals in phase three on the Candida program, we have the person take a substance, what, well, one, one of the substances they take, I should say, is called Medichel. Uh, Medichel is a nutritional supplement which blocks the absorption of toxic metals from your intestinal tract into the cell of the candida or back into your bloodstream. And this is a very important substance for a candida patient to take because it sort of ensures that the toxic metals won't aggravate any candida condition that they have. In testing for toxic metals, we will usually do two different tests. One is a hair mineral test, which tells us the level of the toxic metal in your tissues. And the other is a toxic metal urine test, which is usually gonna be provoked with a chelating agent like DMSA or EDTA or some such thing. And this shows the ability of the person to excrete the toxic metals through their urine. There also are stool tests that can be done for toxic metals, which show the person's ability to eliminate the toxic metal through the stool. These are valuable tests because they're measuring the level of toxic metal the person has and then also measuring their ability to get it out. Methylation tests are sometimes done in order to uh, show how effective the person will be at eliminating the metal, and if their methylation is poor, they can be put on a program to improve their methylation so they get rid of the metals more easily. Very often people with candida have, are depressed, can have difficulty sleeping, 
um, have wild cravings. Many of these symptoms will improve when they get rid of the candida, but because they've had the candida so long, often these symptoms do not completely improve when you get rid of the candida. For these people, we do neurotransmitter testing to isolate the exact neurotransmitter which might be imbalanced in their system and then correct it. Unfortunately, when you've had candida for a long period of time, your body goes into an imbalance and as the longer the body is in that imbalance, the longer the body's own homeostasis wants to keep that imbalance there because it now believes that's what's normal. So many of the symptoms that a person has while they have candida may not fully go away when the candida is gone simply because the candida has thrown the body so far out of balance that the removal of the candida does not guarantee the body goes back into balance. This is also an example of what's wrong with treating yourself for candida and then determining your candida status by looking at your symptoms. You don't know whether or not the various symptoms that you're observing are caused by the candida. And if they are caused by the candida, you don't know whether or not the elimination of that symptom really truly signals that the candida is gone. Let's say as an example, candida causes someone to become copper toxic. And the symptoms of copper toxicity would be, a, let's say, a racing mind at night and inability to sleep. Well, when you remove the candida from the body, that does not remove the burden of copper that the person has accumulated over the years. So the symptom of copper toxicity will remain even though the candida which caused it is gone. There are many such examples of, of, as this. So you would need to do the biochemical testing to find out whether or not the candida is actually gone and then to address symptoms that the candida may have created which are not going to simply go away just because the candida goes away. As an example, having a rash from candida and then having that rash go away could be a very good sign and a true sign that your candida is improved. Other symptoms that involve hormone changes, nutrient changes, neurotransmitter changes will not be as uh, reliable because once again, I'll state this again, that when you have candida and the candida throws your system out of balance, your body has a tendency to want to hold on to the existing balance because it now thinks that's the normal, that's the new normal it thinks. Getting rid of the candida is no guarantee that the body is going to rebalance those previous imbalances. Uh, you could just think of this generally when you're doing a candida treatment and you then complete the candida treatment, you could expect half of your symptoms to be gone. The other half of the symptoms that are remaining are not from the presence of candida, which you could be tricked into believing but it's due to the imbalances that the candida has caused in your system, which you now need to write by individually testing for and then balancing those imbalances. If you use your symptoms as the pure guide that your candida is gone or not, you will fail in your treatment because you don't know whether or not that's, this is true. You don't know whether or not the symptoms that you have are still being caused by candida or it's some other imbalance. Objective testing is the key to this. 
If you don't have objective testing to determine what your candida levels actually are or not, you're doing nothing more than guessing. And when you're dealing with an organism like candida, which is very stubborn, which can very easily mutate and become drug resistant to what you're taking, and then you're looking for a nightmare when you try to treat this yourself or even with your doctor. If your doctor does not understand candida, if he doesn't have any way of, of testing with any type of accuracy, or if his interpretation of testing is not correct, you're going to run into a lot of trouble. The two biggest problems in interpretation with the typical candida tests which are available Number one, with candida antibody tests, the first rule is that the antibodies can remain elevated for nine months after the candida is gone. So from the time that your candida truly is gone, nine months afterwards, your antibodies may still be elevated, and that would trick you into thinking the candida is still there. Secondly, the longer you have candida, the lower your candida antibodies will tend to get because the immune system is exhausting in its fight against the candida. So, if you test for candida, you find your candida is at a high level, and then over the years of failed treatments, you are not able to get rid of the candida, you may one day do a blood test again for the candida to find that the antibodies are now normal, and this would normally be a signal to someone that their candida is gone. But in, in the case of the most candida patients, that's not true. What this is telling you now is that your immune system is so exhausted from fighting the candida that the antibodies have dropped and they've dropped into a normal range even though you still have the candida. Another common interpretation problem with candida are candida stool tests. I happen to be one of the doctors that was involved in designing the comprehensive and digestive stool analysis, which was performed by Great Smokies Labs in the early 90s. And this is the stool test that was the first real cutting edge or Cadillac of stool tests that stool tests since then have been modeled after. An interesting thing that we found out at that time was that if the test showed no candida, but yet it showed no lactobacillus or bifidus, or some type of a major flora imbalance, we knew that we had to treat the person as though it was showing high levels of candida. Why that is, is very simple. Candida is very difficult to find by culture in the stool. Probably only 20% of the people who actually have candida overgrowth will show positive levels of candida in a stool culture. That means maybe 80% of the people who have it will show falsely a negative on the test. We know that acidophilus bifidus and the friendly E. coli prevents candida from overgrowing in your intestines. So therefore, if you show no candida in the intestinal uh, stool test, but yet you show no friendly bacteria either, because the mechanism of stopping candida growth or controlling candida growth so heavily depends upon acidophilus bifidus and the friendly E. coli, we know that if those organisms are missing in your intestines, the likelihood of candida overgrowing is very high. So despite the fact that they don't find candida in that stool sample, you must conclude that the candida is there due to the absence of friendly flora 
And you have to disregard the fact that the stool test is showing no candida. The doctor who believes the stool culture is telling him the truth when it does not show the person having candida is basically inexperienced with the stool test. He has not attended any of the seminars that were given on the interpretation of the stool test and he's basically being amateur. The proper interpretation of these tests is essential for your treatment to be correct and for you to get well. So these are things that you need to know about because very often your doctor doesn't. The last subject for today would be phase four. I mentioned that in phase three we correct deficiencies and handle toxic metals. And these are important things because if the person has toxic metals, their system's not going to work correctly. One of the most common problems that you find in a candida patient, more common than them having leaky gut, are adrenal thyroid problems. You can be guaranteed that 80% of all your candida patients are going to have exhausted adrenal glands. And that's a major thing that needs to be addressed on the third phase of the candida treatment. Having the correct level of nutrients in your body, having correctly functioning adrenal thyroid glands, the absence of having toxic metals in the body, all add up to the ability of the practitioner to be able to now re-educate and rebalance your immune system. If you try to enhance your immune system while you have deficiencies of vitamins, while you have deficiencies of thyroid and adrenal function, and while you have an excess of toxic metals, it will not work. So when we get the person to phase four of the candida treatment, by doing phase three, we know that we've corrected their deficiencies, their toxicities, balanced their hormones. The person is now gonna respond easily to the different substances which can be used to enhance their immunity. Very often, we will do blood work that not only gives you your basic blood chemistries, but also looks at all the individual immune system cells in order to find out where they may be imbalanced so that we then know what to give the person to enhance his immune system's production of different white blood cells, immunoglobulins, interferon, etc. This is how you rehabilitate the person's immune system. And it works very easily. Giving a person, as an example, a simple Chinese mushroom extract can dramatically improve their immune function in just a few hours, providing that they do not have the vitamin deficiencies, adrenal deficiency, or toxic metal problems. And this is true to various different degrees. There are many different substances that you can take that enhance your immune system that will not work if you still have toxic metals, adrenal thyroid deficiency, or various other nutrient deficiencies. So phase four of the uh, Candida protocol, which addresses these imbalances, can be very easily handled if the person is properly set up for it. If a person is properly balanced and detoxified by the time you get them to phase four, 
they will respond very easily to the substances which enhance and bolster their immune system. It's the person who takes things to boost their immune system who sees very little response. This is the person who's taking this remedy way out of sequence and their body is not prepared or ready to use the substance. Therefore, they'll get virtually no gain or improvement from it. And this is unfortunately what happens in most uh, programs, let's say, that doctors use or patients use to self-treat. I'm going to end off this podcast with this particular subject and leave you with a, a term in Yiddish which is called unga pachka. And for years, we've been using this term in our office when we reference other types of candida programs. The unga pachka approach of dealing with candida is to do all of these phases at the same time, which is a complete mess. The word unga pachka means everything thrown together. And when you do this approach, and you do everything thrown together, you think that what you're doing is saving time. You think you're going to speed up your progress in getting rid of this dreaded disease by trying to address all these factors at the same time. But what you don't know is that when you try to address all these factors at the same time, they interfere with each other. It doesn't work because they fight with each other. This is why we have the five phases. This is why the candida treatment has to be done in these phases or steps, because if you try to do certain steps at the same time, they block each other and interfere with each other and nothing gets done other than you wasting your time, your money, and getting worse. So please, take it from me as a practitioner who is celebrating his 30th year in practice this February, who's been specializing in candida, for nearly that entire time. Save yourself a lot of time and trouble and do not use the Ungapachka approach. Go to health-truth.com, read our articles, listen to the podcasts, learn what the right thing to do is. This is Michael Biamonte. Thank you for joining us today. We will speak to you next time. That's a wrap for this episode of the Candida Chronicles featuring Michael Biamonte, Certified Clinical Nutritionist. Michael holds a Doctorate of Nutropathy and is a New York State Certified Clinical Nutritionist. He is a professional member of the International and American Association of Clinical Nutritionists and of the American College of Nutrition, and he's a member of the Scientific Advisory Board for the Clinical Nutrition Certification Board. For more information on how Michael can help you, please visit healthtruth.com, that's health-truth.com, or phone his office at 212-587-2330.